you are important, you have worth, and you are valued. But no one else can help you realize that unless you realize that for yourself. Welcome to Depth and Candor, the podcast that explores how changemakers of color define and live out their purpose through their careers, side hustles, and entrepreneurial contributions. I'm your host, Hueta Gaetana, and I am thrilled to take you with me as I talk to incredible innovators about what it really takes to do impactful work and live a life you love. Welcome to season five. I have taken a much needed hiatus since season four so I could make the podcast stronger and more useful for anybody listening to it. So since the last episode, I took, I've taken a podcast marketing course and developed really clear systems for producing and sharing my work with the world. And I also redefined the value statement behind the podcast. So as you heard in the intro, we are no longer talking about just living a vibrant life in the broadest sense. We're instead focusing on how change makers of color define and live out their purpose through their careers, their side hustles, and their entrepreneurial contributions. And of course, that feeds into living a vibrant life. So it's not that big of a transition from what we were already talking about before on the podcast, but I think it is worth acknowledging that we'll be a little bit more focused moving forward. One of the other really big things I've been focusing on during this time is getting my financial life together, okay? Like, I'm not sure what it was, but I just got to this point where I felt super overwhelmed whenever I try to think about how much I would need to save or how I'd have to what I'd have to pay off and how to pay off my debts if I really wanted to be financially free. And I don't know, like the idea of financial stability just eluded me. And especially when I thought about the the possibility of working on the podcast full time, I realized that I really needed some help. So I hired a financial planner to help me get my act together And my financial planner also happens to be today's guest on the show. Her name is Rianca Dorsonville. Rianca is a certified financial planner, the founder of Your Greatest Contribution, which is a virtual comprehensive financial planning firm, and the creator and host of the 2050 Trailblazers podcast. Rianca is also a CFP Pro spokeswoman a CNBC Financial Advisor Council member. And if that weren't enough, in 2017, she was awarded the inaugural Rising Star Award by Investment News and listed among 10 to watch by Wealth Management. In previous years, she's been deemed 10 among the 10 young advisors to watch by Financial Advisor Magazine and was part of the 40 under 40 listed by Investment News. Rianca is incredible. And I'm so thrilled that I have the privilege and the honor of knowing her personally. We went to school together and then um, I ended up, we ended up reconnecting over the years just through Instagram and other social media platforms. And then we ended up working together. So this episode is for you. If you've ever felt overwhelmed by your finances and you want to be great with money, Um, It's also for you if you want to transition into entrepreneurship and don't know how to get your money right first, just like me, 
Or if you just aren't interested in entrepreneurship, but want to know how to attain financial freedom because you don't want to have to worry about money. And also, I think this episode is perfect for anyone that wants to understand the mindset that's required to thrive in whatever kind of work you do. Because I just listed all of Rianca's incredible accomplishments. And in this episode, we get to the root of how she thinks about her work. Um, And I also share how I think about my work and some of the, the highs and lows that come with creating a podcast and some of the insecurities that come with it too. So if all of that sounds interesting to you, keep listening. I'm here with the one and only Rianca Dorsenbell. Oh, Hewitt. (laughs) (laughs) So I know Rianca because she is my financial planner. Um, You've kind of changed how I think about money completely because I used to feel like, oh, if I have a budget, it's too restricted. And if I don't have a budget, then I'm going to go completely off the rails. Yes. And as the president and founder of Your Greatest Contribution, you have totally changed how I think about wealth and money and finances. I so appreciate that. Thank you so much. And I will probably say, um, you taught me a lot working with you because- I fought you tooth and nail? You fought the process tooth and nail you're like Rianca I just there's no way I can do this like no and I'm just like Hewitt just give me just give me three weeks actually just give me a month can you just just trust the process I'm going to teach you step by step I'm going to just add layers on layers this is going to feel so overwhelming no doubt I went through this process and that's something that I share with my clients as well is like I would never put you through a process that I have not gone through and so I can truly empathize with you when when you say Rianca this is overwhelming and I'm like I get it but please trust me there's a learning curve but once you get past this you're going to feel so empowered and I do awesome so You taught me that because you're the president and founder of Your Greatest Contribution. But why don't you tell everyone what Your Greatest Contribution is? Yes. So Your Greatest Contribution is a virtual financial planning firm. It's 100% virtual because I wanted to meet my clients where they are. Mm -hmm. And I, I work with thriving, busy professionals in their late 20s, 30s, and 40s. And um, what do you help them do? I help them. It's comprehensive financial planning. So budgeting is definitely one component of what we do together. Um, But we also look at, from an investment standpoint, we look at your 401k, actually read through your employee benefits package and making sure that you're taking advantage of everything that your employer is offering. Um, From a insurance standpoint, also called risk management, making sure that you're properly insured because as a young professional, the as a young professional, there's two important things. One, your human capital, which is the education, the knowledge that you are continuing to learn, which is not on your balance sheet or, or your net worth statement. And then there is the ability to earn income, 
which is which can directly impact your net worth and it can increase over time. And as a young professional, being as though your ability to earn income is one of the most important things we need to make sure that it's insured, mm-hmm. which is disability insurance. Mm-hmm. And um, that's you also do budgeting. Which budgeting. Is, like, is that the biggest thing that you do, like with most of your clients who are around my age? Yes. Teaching them how to budget and how to think about money. Yes. And I'll call it, I wouldn't call it budgeting because budgeting is like the B word. Like we don't <laughs> want to talk about the B word. So I call it a spending plan. It sounds more easier on mm-hmm. the ears. It's like, all right, what's my plan to spend this money? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but with most of my clients, I do comprehensive planning. Um, however, your cash flow, your spending plan is a huge component of it um, because you you have to know where your money is going. And in order to know that, every dollar needs a job. And you probably have heard me say that over and over again. I'm like, Hewitt, does that dollar have a job? So yes. It, and, you know, it's funny because with with spending plans or budgets, it doesn't matter if you're a thousandaire or a millionaire, everyone needs a budget. Like before I started my, my firm, um, I was working with millionaires and they, in order to work with me, you needed at least a million dollars of investable assets. And even them, even these lawyers with $750,000 income, they needed a budget. Like they were literally one page, one page check away from living on the street. That's so hard for me to comprehend because I think like most people, I think like when I make X amount of money, my problems will go away. Mm-hmm. And you know, for me, it's that brownstone <laughs> in Harlem. So I'm like, yes. once I own a brownstone in Harlem, I will have no problem. Everything will be fixed. Life will be grand. Right. So we'll talk about that in a minute. And we're going to do a two part series. So I want to talk about money mindset and okay. all of that. But first, I want to learn more about you. Okay. So you run your own firm now. Yes. And before this, you worked for a small financial planning firm. Yes. But how did you even get into financial planning in the first place? Yeah. I, you know, I actually went to college. I went to Virginia Tech. Go Hokies. Hey. Yay. Um, wanted to be a math major. And I honestly stumbled upon the world of financial planning. I took one course and it literally blew my mind. I learned about disability insurance, student loans. I learned about credit scores, credit reports, how your credit score is derived. And I was just like, can I get more of this? And the professor told me we have an entire concentration around this. I'm like, oh, sign me up. Wait, so I'm guessing you never learned this in at Gr- home? No, no, not, no, I, I did not. We didn't talk about money growing up. It, it's going back to like that that mindset or the yeah it, it, it's like money especially if you don't have a healthy relationship with it it starts to just be it brings tension to the household and especially if you always feel like you just don't have enough um it just brings tension mm-hmm. to 
to the house mm-hmm. yeah so mm-hmm. yeah we just never talked talked about it probably because we didn't have it mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. <laughs> i was like what is there to talk about <laughs> but um so you started your college career you started your career really with a financial planning concentration yep you got your CP. CFP, CFP, yep, not a, your CPA, because right. that's what accountants get. Right, right. So I'm a CFP. I'm a certified financial planner, which means I've taken a exam. I've you know have the experience and I have the education to hold a CFP. So if you work with a financial planner, you want to make sure you work with a CFP because that means we're board certified. Just kind of like with doctors, you know, you want to. If you are going into a doctor, getting surgery, or a family member, you want to make sure that doctor is board certified, right? Yeah, you don't want to come to my house. <laughs> you don't get you, surgery. You don't want to go to like around the corner the at bodega. the bodega. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to go behind the bodega. You want a board certified doctor, and just like with finances, like we're dissecting a lot of things that. Um, people look at personal finances like, oh, anyone can do it. Well, actually. Everyone can't. And if they could, there wouldn't be an entire career and profession around it. And honestly, the most valuable asset that you have literally right now is your time. So why not leverage your time by taking this off of your plate and actually giving it to an expert? So I have to stop you right there. Okay. The reason people don't do that, Mm -hmm. the reason I didn't do that for so long, Actually, I had two reasons. Okay. My first one was I felt like I couldn't afford it. Mm. And my second one was I was kind of embarrassed. Yeah. Like I was like it's like getting naked in front of someone. Yes. And what if they tell me to implement things that I'm just not going to want to do? Right. So that's why people don't do it. I and I can definitely understand why so from a first first thing as far as just like only rich people have financial planners is like saying only rich people have an estate plan everyone needs a will everyone just everyone needs you know the basics um especially when it comes to estate planning and everyone needs the basics when it comes to financial planning and so and budgeting is a piece of it and to work with an expert to work with someone who is an expert in their field, and this is not just some side hustle that they're doing, you want what you're paying for is their expertise. You're paying for their knowledge. You're paying for um, their time, so you can sleep better at night. Um, and, and so, so that's what you're paying for. And to say you don't, you know, and uh, you know, a lot of people say, "Well, I, I can't afford it." Um, you'll be surprised at how accessible working with a financial planner is today. There's hourly planning, there is pro bono, there's financial planning days where we, me, and a whole bunch of other financial planners go out into the community and provide financial planning, education, and for free. So where can people find that kind of information? So if I, if my biggest reservation is not affording it, what's... Mm-hmm a place I can go to online or in person to get some advice on my personal right. finances. There's there's one foundation in particular called um, the Foundation for Financial Planning. It's a nonprofit that helps with pro bono um, or, you know, does pro bono work, have volunteers like myself to, to volunteer. The Financial Planning Association has um, 
uh, financial planning day and it's sporadic throughout the year. So you just um, maybe in your show notes, we can put the link. I don't know it offhand right now. Okay. But um, there's there's so much information at your fingertips if you just look for it. Um, And then also when people say they can't afford to work with a financial planner, my response is you cannot not afford to work with a financial planner. Um, You know, the cost of working with a financial planner, you will get back in return tenfold. And to go back to your other point, as far as like you are undressing in front of someone and you are. It's a very uncomfortable feeling, especially in your mind. If you feel like you know you weren't doing right or you're not doing right. Um, And so it's just like, ah, am I going to get judged? You know, something that I, I, I share with my clients is no one will know you're a client of mine unless you share that with them, because, you know, you're your privacy, your confidentiality is the utmost important to me. Like I have some clients that you know that we have mutual friends and you and you will never hear it from me that they're my client unless you, you're like, hey, yes, I was talking to Rianca. Oh, what you were talking to her about? Like, oh, she, financial, oh, she might, she might advise it too. Like mm-hmm. that has happened before mm-hmm. because that's not my business to be telling who's my client. Um, so that's one thing. Mm-hmm. And then also um, this is a judgment-free zone. And we did not grow up learning about this. We did not. um, So there there was no rule book on how to be, you know, the first generation college graduate and what to do with this money. There's no rule book of being the first generation immigrant and now earning money and what to do with it. There's, There's no rule book to this. So I want you as as much as you can be open with me and honest with me about your feelings, the more I can help you. And that's and that's why I pour into my clients because of just my life experience, um, my experience with my grandmother and how she wasn't able to retire because she didn't have money, but yet she was ill and still going to work on dialysis. And I was just like, wow. And I don't want that to happen to my clients. And when I start to see a trend of going that way, I can start adding some personal antidotes in there and just sharing with them, all right, if you continue on this financial trajectory, this is what's going to happen. You know, it's funny, um, a a few weeks ago, again, working on budgeting with a client, (laughs) um, she was sharing, sharing with me a situation. And I was like, I know exactly what you're going through because this happened with my family. And so I'm sharing and opening myself up to her. And she was like, wow, Rianca, like you carry yourself as if you grew up with a white picket fence. And I hysterically laughed because I was like, oh, that is far from the truth. However, I let the financial knowledge empower me and not let me become a victim of my circumstance, but more so empowered me so I can be educated around the financial decisions that I make. And Mm -hmm. now I'm helping other people. And you're also working with other financial planners on your own podcast. Yes. What is that about? Yes. So not only do I run my own practice, um, Your Greatest Contribution, (laughs) um, I also have a podcast that I launched in March called 2050 Trailblazers. And I absolutely love what I do. I love the financial planning profession, um, but there needs to be more uh, diversity. And what I mean by that, it needs to be more black people. It needs to be more Latinos. It needs to be more Asians. It just needs to be a, a whole bunch of more 
because right now the majority of financial planners are white old men and um, I, I named the podcast 2050 Trailblazers is because, and this is an old statistic, but I like the year 2050, so don't come for me, is that by the year 2050, the minority population will become the majority population. And I think the year now is maybe like 2040 because of immigration and just more babies being born through interracial couples. Um that now the year is much more closer than 2050, but I, I like 2050, so 2050 Trailblazers. And Trailblazers is, is because if you are a woman or a person of color in the financial planning world, you are blazing the trail for the next person. And so I started this podcast to not only bring awareness, but to make a tangible impact around diversity, cultural awareness, and inclusion in the financial planning profession. Okay, so what I find so fascinating about you is that you get shit done Rianka. get it done you know you wake up at like i think 4 30 in the morning yes and i you used to do this even when you weren't working for yourself yeah you would go to work and then i'm guessing after work you would work on your own business yes and now you are doing that full time yeah what are the top three things that you recommend people do when they want to transition from their nine to five Mm -hmm. to making their side hustle a real thing? Oh, this is a really good question. Mm, Only top three. Well, well, one is definitely if you're starting off with, well, first of all, don't go in and just quit your day job. (laughs) One, you have to have a solid financial foundation. And what, and, and this is, I mean, we keep going back to budgeting and, and spending plan because it's so important because you have to understand what money is being taken away. So say for instance, if you have a salary, okay, how much money do I need to replace in order to maintain my household? So understanding your budget, um, and, and also eliminating any unnecessary overhead expenses. And what I mean by that is debt. So if you have any debt before you venture off into your, you know, becoming a full-time entrepreneur, while you're doing your side hustle, invest in your business and invest in paying off that debt. So money that you're making from your side hustle, kind of pay off that debt to kind of fast forward, you know, maybe potentially taking that leap. And then also investing in yourself, meaning investing in the business, if there's any, um, you know, online courses that you want to take, any type of uh, if you need to build this widget or this product, you can kind of like reinvest back into the business. Um, but you want to make sure that as, as far as like reoccurring expenses, they're low as possible. You know, you're going to have rent. You know, you might have student loans. Who knows? They, they can't disappear. <laughs> um, but if you have any type of consumer debt, like try to get that paid off. And then also you you want to have an emergency fund, a rainy day fund, whatever you want to call it. You just want to have cash to the side because, um, you know, a client may come or a client may go. You know, if you're in the early stages of your business, again, you have to make sure you maintain that household. And, and I love and I love how you mentioned a side hustle um, first before you take that leap, because you want to have an MVP a minimum viable product. Like, is this something that people want to buy? Is the service that you're offering people want to pay for? And I knew for me that I was, that I I didn't need to build an MVP because 
people kept coming to me. And so I felt like they kept coming to you asking you about personal finance questions. Yes. Personal finance questions while I was still at my firm. And in order to work with me, when I was at this firm, you had to have at least a million dollars of investable assets. Well, here are my peers from college, uh, colleagues of my husband are coming to me like they're earning a really great salary, but yet they don't have a million bucks. And so I'm like, am I supposed to not help them? Like they're, there's an inflection point right now happening in their life where they can go either way from a from a financial trajectory standpoint. And so we got to help them. So with me, I have a really big heart and you know, that that's a whole nother story as far as like what I did to take the leap. But I, I made sure that consumer debt was paid off. I made sure I had some cash set aside. Um, I, I knew what my household expenses were. And um, so when I finally did take that leap, when when you're running a business, the one thing that you do not want to have to worry about is do I have enough money to pay my bills this month? Because you're going to have so many other stressors as a business owner. And so you don't want finances to be one of them. So when you actually have your business set up and right. you are working for yourself, I've heard and I've read that it's there's still a sense of like you're beholden to somebody right like you have clients still so how do you maintain your sense of freedom Mm -hmm. as an entrepreneur this is a really great question because it's something that we have to be very mindful of especially as entrepreneur because you're that creative and your business becomes your baby and i birth ygc from idea to you know putting putting pen to to pad so to say um creating this business plan and then i executed it and then it's like wow it's here and then it's like you have this sense of finance you have this sense of freedom because you no longer have to um from a nine to five perspective, you no longer have a boss, right? So I don't have to report to a boss, but you're reporting to someone. Um, Even as a business owner, you're not necessarily reporting to your clients, but you are, I mean, they're your sole responsibility. And um, I kind of knew that I was losing my freedom when my goals started becoming imbalanced when I started falling off track on things that were really important to me. Like what? Well, the main one is just my health and working out. Um, Working out has always been a important piece of my life um, because it just gives me these endorphins that honestly makes me more mentally sharp makes me mentally sharp. It makes me just have much more energy throughout the day. And I feel like I'm a better person and a better advisor to my client. I feel entirely different on the days that I work out than the days when I do not. Yeah. Yeah. So when I noticed that that started happening, I had to take a step back and actually grab my freedom back. So though I was free from going into and, you know, having to be at a specific location at a specific time, Monday through Friday, now I became beholden to something else. And it's not from a time perspective or or location, but more so of a, I was literally in front of my computer for 12 hours a day. Mm -hmm. 
and that's not healthy. Mm-hmm. So what about for people who are like, entrepreneur life is not for me, <laughs> but they still want financial freedom. Right. Um, are there recommendations that you have for people like that so yeah. that they can start, you know, I'm sure they'll get their money up through their jobs or switching jobs eventually or whatever, but what can they do right now to start gaining a sense of financial freedom? Yes, a side hustle will, you have time. So that's number one. If if you're listening to this and like, yeah, I want to do a side hustle, but I don't have time. You have time. You will make time for things that are important to you. And understand you have so many different skill sets than what you go to work for. Um, and what I mean by that is like, yeah, you may have a nine to five doing, I don't know, coding, right? And then after your nine to five, you come home and you allow your creative spirit to flourish. And then you start a podcast. <laughs> Hey. <laughs> and then you start monetizing that podcast. Mm-hmm. And then now you're able to so from a from a lifestyle creep standpoint what you don't want to happen is this extra money that is coming in that is not assigned a job. So you have to be very intentional like all right, well if I start earning money, what am I going to do with it? So be very intentional and upfront from the onset of like all right, I have some debt. So with this money that I'm getting from my side hustle, if I want that financial freedom, first I have to pay off the people that I owe money, right? And so you're paying that off. And then now with the side hustle, however long it, it takes, now you you truly have discretionary money that you can start doing things with, like investing. You know, you can invest money, learn about compounding interest. Like right now for young, if you're young, well, I, I, I don't want to deter anyone who's not young, but if you're a young professional, if you're in your early 30s, early 40s, right now, compounding interest is your best friend. And what I mean by that is a dollar that you saved, you know, yesterday is better than the dollar that you're going to save tomorrow because compounding interest over time is just your best friend. So um, I'm always a proponent of making sure you invest. Um, there's, there's time to have fun, but first you want to make sure your financial household is in order. This episode is brought to you by Skillshare. You've heard me talk about Skillshare many, many times before, and it's because I really, really love the platform. So it's an online platform where you pay a monthly subscription fee so that you can take classes of all kinds for one flat rate. And so most recently, I've been taking Adobe Illustrator on that platform because as some of you know, I've been designing websites on the side as my side hustle. And I've wanted to get better and better at that. So I've been taking an Adobe Illustrator course, but there's literally everything on that site from introduction to SEO to learning how to start your own freelance business to email marketing to design basics and so much more. If you're interested in trying Skillshare for free for a month, then go to skillshare.com and enter promo code depth and candor free. That's promo code depth and candor 
free. Okay, back to the episode. You went from a great student at Virginia Tech to a great employee, at least that's what I assume you were. I was a really great employee. (laughs) To an entrepreneur. Yes. And now you have your own podcast. You are really consistent with your health. You're like, you know, you're always trying to do better. Right. And I can imagine people ask you all the time how you do it and how you have achieved X level of success or Y level of success. Let's talk about that because a similar situation just happened. Yeah. You know, I find it, I honestly, I honestly don't know how to answer that question. The The only way I can say that you can become successful is to be consistent and disciplined in whatever it is that you want to do. And what I mean by that is like, so I have various people ask me the same question, like, how did you become so successful at a young age? And I'm just like, because I didn't go out looking for success. Like, I honestly... You really never did, though? No. No. I, I don't like attention. It, it sounds so crazy because I'm on TV and I'm in magazines and I'm a 100% introvert. You, yeah. You, you are prob- not yes, an I introvert. Yes, I am. I am. I'm a, so... Me too. <laughs> so it's funny because I'm here with you today because I was in New York for an event. Can you say what event? Yeah, it was Investment News, 40 Under 40 alum. Because- Alumni event. you were of Investment News 40 Under 40 in 2015. In 2015. Which is, were you still working your 9 to 5 at that point? I was point? still working my 9 to 5, yeah. Hmm. So we're here today, um, and, you know, a lot of people ask, you know, how did you find success? Not those, not the folks that's in that room, but a, a lot of what comes of this, and when you become on a platform as far as being acknowledged by investment news is like, oh my gosh, how did you find success? And you can ask anyone in that room, how, like, what did they do to be successful? And I guarantee you, all of them will say, we didn't go out looking for success. We were just really good at what we did. And so that was, for me, the reason why I got investment news 40 under 40 is because I volunteered in my community I started a uh, mentorship program for women at Virginia Tech who was in financial planning. I did this, I did that. And it was because me pouring into other people now, and I did not do that with the intent of anyone giving me a pat on the back. It just so happens that because of the things I do, it's being acknowledged by the profession. Right, and it also, so it sounds like it's, Yes, you should be good at your job or good at whatever you're doing. But even more than that, it's about you sharing, maximizing the value you share with and the number of people that you share it with. Yes, yes. What you want to do is duplicate yourself, right? So me, myself, Rianca, I'm a financial planner. I can, I don't know, I'm just throwing a number. I can only help like 30 clients. I can help more than that. But let's just say if I can physically only support from a capacity standpoint, 30 clients. But if I took five other financial planners under my wing 
and mentored them, trained them, gave them the confidence and um, ability to be able to work with other clients. Now I can have a greater impact. So So that's what I care about. I care about the ROI. What's the return on impact that I am giving to my profession? And it's like, once you focus on that, success will follow you. Like if you go out looking for success, it's not going to happen. It's like going out into a field looking for that four leaf clover. You will never find it because you're looking for it. But, you know, you're just doing what you're supposed to do. You're just walking. And one day it's like, oh, wow, I'm intentionally doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm I'm in my lane. I'm doing what I feel called to do and and you just just so happen to look down. Are you doing your financial planning work, be, obviously yeah. before you started getting paid for it, because you loved it? Absolutely. Or were you doing it because you knew for a fact that it was affecting, you know, multiple people's lives? Yes. Well, one, I absolutely love what I do. Um, I, I joke always and say in my past life, I was probably a teacher because I love educating. Um, and then also, I know the impact that the knowledge and understanding of personal finances did for my own life. And sharing it with my own family is a ripple effect. So me helping you, I know for a fact, guaranteed, that is going to have a tangible impact on you. And so... Yes, without a doubt. You know, I really like what you just said because it also applies for someone like me who's doing something much more creative, right? Mm -hmm. And with more nuances around how people define value, right? But you're right. What you, when you and I work together and after, um, my understanding of money is entirely different the way I think about money, the way I save money, the way I spend money, totally different. Mm -hmm. But it could have been just as likely that you could have taught me everything that you knew and I did nothing with it. Yeah. So in many ways, I think what I'm really asking is like, what if everyone doesn't find value from what I'm doing and like for whoever's listening what if they're creating art or what if they have a fitness Instagram or what if they have a cooking channel that they're trying to start and what if no one finds value and it sounds like what you're saying is yeah I mean not everyone might find value but what you're producing is still valuable yes yes that's powerful and 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 the thing is um you're absolutely 100% right not everybody will see value in what you're doing but I guarantee you there's going to be that one person. It's just like with your podcast, right? Before you took the leap to actually execute and start Depth and Candor, what was some of the fears that you had? Am I really ready to be this vulnerable with people, to be honest and open, right? Because your show's only as good as the connection that you have with your guests and the connection you have with your audience. And so I was terrified of being really open and honest with the whole world. Literally like anyone could click on this and hear my story. That's terrifying. That's terrifying. And as far as from a value standpoint or a value proposition, what was the point of it? Like what's the point of depth and candor? 
I wanted anyone who felt the way that I felt. So who felt like they wanted to pursue a, a, a fun life, a productive life, a full life. I wanted them to hear stories of other people who were defining and pursuing that mm -hmm. for themselves mm -hmm. and to find inspiration in that so that they could define their own version of a vibrant life and go for that because that's what I was doing. Right. That's still what I'm doing. Yes. Every day I'm redefining what I think it means to live a good life and then I'm going after that. So I wanted people to have a platform where they could hear those kinds of conversations. And how long have you had depth and candor? Like a year and a half now. Okay. So how many thank yous, how many Instagram DMs, how many emails have you received because you started to become vulnerable without even knowing that whatever you were producing was going to be of value? How many just engagements of conversation have you had because of this podcast? Yeah. Hundreds. Yeah. And... As you're asking me that, I'm realizing this is terrible, right? But I think what I have done is, okay, so these hundred people find this engaging and interesting, but that's not a lot of people. Girl, you better stop. Right. That's that nace. Okay. Yeah. I'm happy we're having this conversation <laughs> because you are just one person, mm -hmm. right? But imagine you telling your story. And so the point I was trying to make is that, one, you may not have thought you provided value. But just imagine if you would have just kept the idea in your head, you wouldn't have touched those hundred people. Mm -hmm. Right. It would. And honestly, you will probably still be tossing and turning at night. Like, what if I would have just executed and did this podcast? What if, what if, what if? But one thing you're not doing is living your life in regret because you actually did it. Absolutely. You you actually did it. And then two, you're only one person. But because you are sharing your story, become, becoming very vulnerable, and also allowing your guests to become vulnerable with you and sharing their stories, let's say you only touched, and I say only in quotes, 100 people. But imagine those 100 people then starting to talk about depth and candor in the episode that they just heard. That's exactly what's happened, too. No, and... You know, I'm not saying this as like, as someone who's sitting in that space now. No, I, I see you're playing devil's advocate. I love it. Mm -hmm. And so for, 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 for that, for that voice in our mind that's saying, oh, it's only, oh, it's only stop diminishing your value that you have. You have to stop diminishing your value because if you are that person sitting in that seat of just, oh, it's only 100 people, I want you to stop and think about those 100 people that you're actually touching, whether it's from a product that you've created, a service that you are now offering, because you filled a void that wasn't there before. So you're actually producing something of value that somebody, those 100 people who who, who took time out of their day to say, thank you. Mm -hmm. Th this is what this meant to me. So I guarantee you that those, that one out of that hundred person is going to talk to a friend. And then the next, the second person out of that hundred is going to talk to a friend. And so now your true impact may be thousands. 
Actually, it is thousands. Let's stop playing. Absolutely. No, you're 100% right. And the reason we got into this conversation is because we started talking about staying in your lane, right? (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's something that many, many of us struggle with. Yeah. We always look to see what other people are doing. And then it becomes that comparison. So even with finances. Um, and it's something that we kind of discussed in, in a previous episode as far as just like undressing your, like you're undressing in front of me as a financial planner and becoming very vulnerable. And you, th- there's this sense of, am I being judged? Like I'm 30 years old you know, am I earning as much as other 30 year olds or do I have as much debt as other 30 year olds or do I have a net worth as much as other? And so you start comparing yourself. And then what tends to happen is you become distracted from your own goals. And then you start just trying to bring yourself to, to a level of someone else. And you don't know their story. Like you don't know. It's like the iceberg effect, right? From a success standpoint, you only see what's at the top. You you only see that person in which they allow you to see in public. You only see the smiling face. You only see the the sweet Instagram post. But what you don't see is what happened behind closed doors. You don't see the knees dropping to the floor and praying to God that, you know, just give me the strength to continue on. Like you don't see that. And so you can't allow your chapter one be compared to someone's chapter 50. Mm -hmm. You can't. You will always fail because you're comparing yourself to someone else when you need to just be your own just is you against you. You're absolutely right. And as we're talking about this and as we started the conversation, actually, I thought about the fact that the only times I've doubted my work is when I associated my work with my worth Mm. and like, and my success, right? So when I start thinking about the words success, mm-hmm. then of course you're going to start doubting yourself because right. there are every you're looking at everyone else's metrics to compare yourself against. Yeah. But you're entirely right that if you're talking about value, yeah. How how do you co- you can't compare that? You are you and that is your power. There is no one else in this world that can produce the level of whatever it is that your technical skill is, that your value, like you're, you're an individual for a reason. And you have to just understand that you are important, you have worth, and you are valued. But no one else can help you realize that unless you realize that for yourself. Rianka, I appreciate you coming into New York and for recording this episode with me. This has been wonderful. This has been so fun. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for this podcast. Thank you for keeping the name the same. (laughs) (laughs) I absolutely love this podcast. Thank you. I love the various guests and the depth. And the candor. And the candor. (laughs) That you go into with the guests and and how 
open you make them feel and comfortable. And that's exactly how I felt today. So thank you so much for having me. And there it is. You can find Rianca on Instagram or Twitter at Rianca underscore D. And Rianca is spelled R-I-A-N-K-A underscore D. I'll also link her website and the resources we mentioned in the show on the show notes. And I'm so happy and grateful to know Rianca personally because she really is as thoughtful as you heard her on the podcast. She really is that way in real life. So if you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on iTunes and rate this podcast because you doing that will help make episodes like this one more accessible to people who don't know about depth and candor and who want to create incredible work and live a vibrant life. And if you want more from me, like goal setting worksheets and access to secret episodes, join the squad by going to depthandcandor.com backslash subscribe. You can also find me on Instagram at depthandcandor. Until next time, live vibrantly.